Welcome back to the Eponymous Rock Podcast. My name is Max Thomas, and we are coming to uh, the end of our talk about baptism uh, and baptism as the the foundational idea um, or metaphor, but really more than a metaphor, reality of the church, that to be the church is fundamentally to be the baptized people of God because every or most of the other, I should say, other metaphors that get used in Scripture, we can trace back to baptism. And we began this conversation looking at Matthew 28, and that we are to go to the nations and to baptize them into the Father, Son, and Spirit. So there's our Trinitarian identity. And so every other identity that comes out of or is used to talk about the church is rooted in that Father, Son, and Spirit that we are baptized into. And then we uh, looked at Genesis 1 and how uh, the earth and life was brought out of creation. And uh, I had briefly mentioned in the previous episode uh, the church father Tertullian, who wrote one of the greatest works on baptism ever produced till to this day. Um, he, he points out in Genesis 1 that the first living being to be created is the fish living in the water. And so he tells the church, be the fish, be the ones that live in the waters of baptism. And, um, and then we looked at uh, uh, the story of Noah and how the church is like those that are brought through the waters of baptism. And we spent a good deal of time looking at 1 Peter 3 and the story of the flood in Genesis um, 6, 7, and 8, and how those two things fit together. And um, we answer the question of, does baptism save? And uh, hopefully brought some clarity to that as well. And so now I want to move to the last um, metaphor, really two, that I, I want to, to look at. And there are, um, trust me, there are plenty more, but I, I thought it would just be helpful to talk about the, the major ones and the ones that are explicitly mentioned in the New Testament. And so uh, we'll look at two more today. These ones will be, uh, I think, a little bit briefer and why we can fit, I can fit two into one episode. But So the next, if we were just to think about the idea again of salvation, John 3, born again by spirit and water. And we started in Genesis 1 of life being brought out of water. Genesis 6, 7, and 8 in the flood story, new life is being brought out of water. And if we were just to continue that stream of thought um, about salvation and water being connected, where would we, where would we end up? Oh, we would end up, I think, at the Red Sea in the story of of the Exodus, and it really is hard to undersell, or excuse me, to undersell, to oversell the importance of the Exodus story. Um, the Exodus story is the prototypical story in the Old Testament. It, it really is the controlling narrative of every other story. Um, the Exodus story is the story that gave Israel its identity as the people that were rescued. And you just read the Psalms and the prophets, 
and how they are constantly referencing the Exodus, both explicitly and implicitly and, and you know, subtly. Um, it's just, it's all over the place. And, um, and so it's, it, when we begin to then think about, okay, the importance of the story of Exodus, and then we look at how that actually takes place, that it's salvation through water, and we just bring that, just that basic construction forward into the New Testament and how it's linked to baptism. And we'll see Paul actually just explicitly links it to baptism. It again begins to fill out our understanding both of baptism, but then what it means to be the church as the baptized people. And again, my really foundational claim and what I would urge anyone listening to this to think about, even in your own local church context, how, I mean, I would just really implore you to think through or ask, how is your own local congregation thinking about baptism? How do they teach it? What do they think about it? Um, and, and begin to wrestle through where, how does this fit into the, the economy of God, the workings of God? If, if, if what I'm proposing is true and these stories are connected, and I, I, I do think it's, they are, and I do think it's pretty obvious. I mean, all the ones that I'm using are directly quoted, um, and in the quotation, baptism is spoken about. Um, then, then we do need to have some, I think, real good conversation. And as the church, we need to dig into the idea of being the baptized people of God and then how that actually works out in practice, I think, is actually very important. But that's neither here nor there. So next ma- major event, the Red Sea. Uh, remember, God's people, they've gone into bondage for 400 years, and they cry out to the Lord who heard their cry and remembered them just like Noah, right? Um, it says the Lord remembered Noah and that he was righteous. Here it's the Lord remembered Israel and heard their cry. And interestingly, who is it that is, you know, gets raised up? It's, it's Moses. And where is Moses drawn from in his infancy? He's drawn out of the water, right? Deliverance, the deliverer himself is brought out of the water. Um, he's, he's sent by his mom and sister right in the basket to, to try and save him because the infants are being slaughtered. And the deliverer himself comes to his people from the water. Well, really, he comes into Egypt through the water and then leads his people out of Egypt back through the water. The, the, the life of Moses... Um, you can trace through the water. He comes into Egypt through the water and then leads his people, God's people, out of Egypt through the water. Again, I think if we just pay attention to the details, I think that that's on purpose. This, the narrative is written in a way, to, I think, to highlight, to highlight that. And so um, God sends Moses 
right? And, and Moses begins to say, you know, to Pharaoh, let my people go so they may worship me. And he begins to send plagues, God does, um, many of which, uh, again, involve water, ironically. Uh, but anyway, after sending nine plagues, uh, God's people are still in bondage and Pharaoh refuses to let them go. And so the Lord tells Moses, um, have the people get their things ready uh, because this night in the darkness, remember in Genesis 1, it was darkness and water. And so he says, tonight in, in the darkness, death is going to come over Egypt. And in the morning when the sun rises, uh, you will be free to, to leave Egypt. And so when light comes, you'll be you'll be free. And so that night they Israel slaughtered and they ate the Passover lamb, and they put the blood over the doorpost and they uh, they ate the the whole lamb and they were supposed to do all this ready to go and eat um, unleavened bread so that in the morning they were going to they were going to leave. And so uh, it came to pass just as as the Lord had said. And so uh, Pharaoh calls Moses and tells him that he can take everybody with him and they can go. And so all of Israel gathers their things and they leave in the morning. And this event is still today remembered in a seven-day feast. Again, the, the number of creation, because in the Exodus story, God is making a people for himself. So in Genesis 1, how does God make a world for himself? Out of the water. In Genesis 6, 7, and 8, how does God remake a world for himself that's gone bad? Through water. In, in the book of Exodus, Exodus um, 12, when God wants to make a people for himself. Well, you could even go in, in Exodus you know, 1 and 2, when God wants to make a deliverer for himself. How does he do it? Through water. When God wants to make a people for himself, how does he do it? He takes them to water. So he, they leave, and they, they gather their things, and uh, the Lord, it says, leads them by day and night through a pillar of cloud and fire. Again, an echo back to Genesis 1. And he brings them to the Red Sea or the Reed Sea. But by this time, Pharaoh and his armies, um, they've changed their mind, and they are coming to attack Israel. And so now Israel is stuck with Pharaoh behind them and the Red Sea in front of them. So they're standing at this body of water, and now that pillar of fire and smoke goes behind Israel um, and so it gives them light and casts darkness on, on Pharaoh so that they can't come near, and God protects them. Uh, but Moses says, what are we supposed to do? And so uh, the Lord commands Moses at night, Again, at night, uh, lift up your rod over the water. And it says the Lord sends uh, wind over the water to divide it. Do you remember in, in the flood story, after 150 days, it says a wind was sent over and the water receded. So same idea here. A wind is sent and the... Um, the sea divides and there's like walls of water and now dry ground appears. So it's dry land, echo Genesis 1, dry land coming out of, out of the water. And Israel passes through the sea 
it says on dry ground. Um, but as they do, Pharaoh pursues them. And then it says at sunrise, at the breaking of dawn, because again, remember in Genesis 1, it's darkness and water that are the, the problems and the Spirit is moving over. So now all of this is happening in the darkness and salvation comes at the breaking of light. So then at sunrise, God looks down, it says, through the pillar of fire. And he, he it says he reaches, this is just a wild uh wild imagery. It says that God reaches his hand out of the pillar of fire and, and smoke, and he begins to pull the wheels off of all the chariots. I mean, this is just, this is crazy stuff. So he's just pulling the wheels off of the chariots, and then he causes the waters to come back together and and drowns Pharaoh. Again, think of Noah's flood where the waters are crashing back in. And Israel is delivered by passing through the water, God tells us that this is this is God's salvation. If you just read the two songs that follow the song of Moses and the song of Miriam that follow, they are songs of salvation, songs that then get repeated and echoed numerous times in the rest of Scripture. Uh, these two songs are, are vitally important. Some of the earliest um, really pieces of, of uh, salvation theology in the scriptures. This is God's salvation, that he has saved us through the water by, by throwing the, the rider and the horse and the chariot into the sea, and he saved us and he brought us through. Now, interestingly, um, immediately after this story, Israel walks, so just pause there, we'll come, we'll come back to that, but the story actually continues and it continues in a, I think, a interesting way. They walk three days, and now they have no water. So th- there's something that the the author is trying to hammer something home about water for us. That the they're saved through water. Israel or uh, Egypt is destroyed by the water, and then they immediately come out and they walk. And the very first story. After the, the, the songs and the poems of salvation, the very first story is they're continuing to walk and three days now they have no water, they have no water, they have no water to drink. And except for they they kind of they finally come to this this bitter pool of water that they call Mara, which just means bitter. And at this, and they're all complaining, and at the bitter waters, the Lord shows Moses a tree shows him a tree, and Moses is told to cast this water, this tree, into the bitter waters, and they will be healed, and they will be able to drink of the sweet water. And from there, they travel to a place, it says, with 12 wells, think of 12 tribes, 12 apostles, and 70 palm trees, and they camp beside the water there, it says. So water is not only where God saves his people, but how he saves his people in multiple ways in this story. First, in the Exodus story, he saves them through the waters. Then they come out, and he brings them to bitter water, and it's a tree. It's wood, again, 
for Noah, it was to take wood and build an ark, and this wood passing through the water would save them. And now it's, it's wood, a tree being cast into these bitter waters that will make them sweet. And obviously in, in the New Testament, we have the wood of the cross that is tossed into the waters of death that saves us. In Jonah's story, it's kind of reversed. It's, it's Jonah being tossed out of the wood of the boat into the water uh, that actually ultimately brings him salvation because he's trying to run, run away. And so in this story, we have God saving through water and by water. And now this, um, this gets briefly mentioned in um, the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul brings this up in 1 Corinthians 10. He says this in verse 1. He goes, uh, Moreover, brethren, do, uh, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers, they who were under the cloud, again, this, so he's referencing the, the Exodus story, the, the pillar and the cloud uh, that covered over them. So I, I want you to be unaware of our fathers who went under the cloud uh, and passed through the sea, the Red Sea, the Reed Sea. And they all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food that would be the manna and they all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the the spiritual drink that came from the rock that followed them and the rock was christ which is another story uh in the wilderness wanderings involving yes water um but here they were all baptized into Moses when they passed through the sea. Paul links Exodus, the Exodus story of the people going through the water to, to baptism, that this was a kind of baptism into Moses. And, and now we obviously are not baptized into Moses. We are baptized into Christ that he is the greater Moses who went into the waters for us. And he's the, well, he's really, I mean, if you just map Jesus and Moses' story uh, over each other, it's phenomenal. So both of them, there's this slaughtering of innocence, and Moses is passed through the water and goes into Egypt. Jesus doesn't pass through the water, but he does flee into Egypt. And then he comes comes back. They both come back as as deliverers. And when Jesus comes back, he the first thing that he does is he's baptized in the waters. And so now we're baptized like Jesus, who's the new Moses, into, into Christ. That this is our baptism, that salvation for us happens through the waters, that we are the saved people out of slavery, out of bondage, out of Egypt. Um, from underneath Pharaoh, out of death, out of fear, out of evil, all of these things 
we are saved through the waters from those things. Where, I mean, just in the story, where do all of those things die? Where does Egypt die? Where does Pharaoh die? Where do the chariots and the horses and the riders die? They die in the water. When we pass through the water, there is a death that takes place in us. We are, to quote Paul again in in Romans 6, we are being buried. We are dying with Christ. We have been joined together in his death, in the waters of baptism, Romans 6. And we have come out the other side. We've been raised the other side into newness of life as a new people of God. We're the ones who now drink of the sweet water that has been healed by the tree, by the cross, that has been broken for us, and and Christ has been the one cut down for us and tossed into the water so that we, uh, that we can be healed and we can drink of His water. So again, Paul, when Paul reads the story, again, just the noting the simple fact that when Paul reads the story of the Exodus and the people coming through the cloud and through the sea, his mind thinks of baptism. He reads that story and says, oh, that's about baptism. That's what happens to us now in Jesus. This is who we are. We are the baptized people. And this leads us very briefly into the next story as they wander. Eventually, after 40 years in the desert, they come to the River Jordan, and the same miracle happens, except this time they say the, they send the high priest into the water, and a wind, it says, blows. This is in the book of Joshua, and the waters recede, and dry ground again appears out of the water, and the people cross over, and they cross into the promised land. And now Israel becomes a a nation and comes back into their land. Well, Jesus, his his actual name is Joshua. Jesus and Joshua are this are actually the same name in in Hebrew, the, the same name. So Jesus is actually Joshua. And when Jesus comes out of Egypt, he comes back. And he begins to, he wants to start his ministry. Where does he go? He goes to the Jordan River. And he's baptized into the Jordan River. Just as that Joshua crossed over and is saved out of the wilderness into the Jordan, or into the promised land, Jesus comes when he's going to enter his ministry, comes to the Jordan River and is baptized in that place and all of the other imagery of the dove and the father speaking that we've already talked about, and he's baptized in the Jordan. And then where does he immediately go? He goes into the wilderness for how long? For 40 days. He's My point here is Jesus and the New Testament authors are, are purposefully linking all of these stories together because they are the same story, just being told at different times in different places and in with different characters, but they are the same story. The story of creation, 
of life coming out of the water is the story of Noah, of new life coming out of the water, is the story of the exodus of a people coming out of water, is the story of Jesus, of God's salvation coming from the water, is the story of our baptism, a new people coming out of the water in him. It's all one story. And when you begin to see all of these dots connecting, I think that becomes that becomes just abundantly clear. And so I say all of that in three episodes, my goodness, three episodes on baptism, just to say these few things. One, to be the church is to be the baptized people of God, meaning we are the saved, new creation people. Two, it means that something actually happens to us at baptism. I actually think it is worth mentioning now because I've I've been asked this question. Um, someone just asked me this question recently when I was teaching this, and um, I'd kind of forgotten about it till right this moment. But I, I think it's worth bringing up all of this new creation, buried, risen again, new life, being born again. All of this language, kind of does away, I, I think, honestly, with the idea of being rebaptized, of being baptized again. Um, now, because you can only be remade in Christ one time. You can only be buried and raised with Jesus one time. If you can be buried and raised with Jesus a whole bunch of times, then you're not really being buried and raised with Jesus. The whole point of of baptism, of the sacrament, is to go down into the grave and to come to life again. How can someone who has come to life again in Jesus go back down into the grave a second time just to be raised up again? But again, if, if, if baptism is only a symbol or some self-proclamation, then of course you can do it a whole bunch of times because it just means that I'm proclaiming a fresh time that I'm following Jesus. But if something is actually taking place at baptism, if something is really happening at baptism, if if I'm really being buried and made alive, if the Spirit is really hovering over those waters and bringing new life out, then that's a one-time deal. Then that's a one-time thing. And so I, I, I don't really buy... Um, into the, the rebaptizing thing. It, to me, when I connect the stories and see how the stories are connected and what it is that those stories are saying, rebaptism doesn't make any sense. Um, if I believe, as I do, that the scriptures are telling me that something actually happens at baptism. And so we're the baptized people of God because we're the new creation saved people of God. That it's all one story and that something is happening at baptism, and that I'm being saved at baptism, and that I'm being baptized, and we'll look at some of these uh, maybe in a, in a different series because they are in a different episode in the church series because they do connect. But even Paul in Ephesians says that we have, in Ephesians and 1 Corinthians, that we're baptized into each other, into the body, that to be the church is to be the people who are baptized together, that we have one body, one spirit, one Lord, and one baptism. So again, uh, how do I do that 
multiple times. I don't know because we have one baptism together. And so uh, we're going to continue talking about other uh, metaphors that the scriptures use to talk about the church, to talk about who we are as the people of God. But I think, I think that the best place to start is for us to realize that we are the baptized people of God. And so with that, I will end here. If you've enjoyed these last three episodes on baptism, please share them, pass them along, um, put them on social. I don't have social, so you have to do that for me. Otherwise, give me a rating, a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And I hope to see you next time as we continue to talk about the church. And we'll see you then.